You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Maddie, let me ask you a question here, pal. How nervous were you trying to buy a ring for your your now wife when you were uh, looking to buy an engagement ring? Man, let me tell you, my, my knees were shaking. I was trembling. I walked into that store looking like Ben Neiman trying to size up a tackle on fourth down. <laughs> well, hey, let me just tell you this. I went to Ruback this week. I have to tell you, I wish I had known about them when I went looking for my engagement ring for my wife. Uh, you know, whether you're bringing in your future fiance with you or you're just wanting to surprise her, Hal from Ruback is going to provide you with a comfortable, personalized experience. He'll walk you through as much or as little of the ring buying process as you want. He's going to break the first rule of a salesman. He's going to ask you what's your budget. You know, you're not going to get that all the time with some of the big, big box places. He's not trying to sell, upsell you and push you in a direction you're not going to feel comfortable with. At Ruback, they've built their business with one-on-one -on -one relationships. And it's genuinely, I promise you, it's a no-pressure environment. I was blown away. Uh, so before you commit to a ring at a big box jewelry store, come to Ruback and look at the high-end jewelry you can get for the same price. You're going to be surprised because they make their own jewelry and they're able to pass savings on to the customer. When some of those bigger brand stores aren't as invested in the, game, in the engagement ring portion of the business, Ruback wants to build that relationship with you. Go to ruback.co slash appointments. No M there. Ruback.co slash appointments to set something up before the holiday season kicks in. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. All right, let's start the show. Your Kansas City Chiefs narrowly escape an upset. Beating the Carolina Panthers 33-31 at home. What a tight game. A lot. A lot to discuss, good and bad. It feels like we should be doing Chiefs to this right now, Maddie. I don't know how I feel right now, Kent. I am quite unsure about the feelings that I am currently undergoing. The Chiefs won this game because a kicker tried a 68-yard field goal <laughs> as time expired. That He obviously pushed way to the right, but he had the leg for it. Like The Chiefs won this game because the Carolina Panthers tried the longest by a good margin field goal attempt in NFL history. That is the only thing that separated the Chiefs from not tying the game, but losing the game because of a missed extra point earlier. Yeah, don't get me started on kickers right off the bat here. We need to bring some positivity to open the show, and if you get me started on Harrison Butker, we're going down a deep hole. Kent, let's talk about the offense, the good part this week. Fine. No, let's, let's, let's do that. Okay, oh, let's hold do on. this. <sighs> Breaking news. Oh, God. Taco Charlton, lower leg fracture. So oh, no. probably losing him for, I mean, Obviously, we'll find out more, but my initial reaction would probably be you're going to lose him for a good chunk of the remaining part of the season, which really hurts because uh, 
We'll get to the defense later, but that second defensive end spot, whoa. No, I think we, I, you know what? I think, you know, all the momentum about talking about the best player in the world's kind of been killed. So let's just go ahead and just jump into this. Um, I think we have to. A team that has not been able to generate a consistent pass rush. And we can jump quickly back to offense and go back to the defense because there's plenty to talk about there. But a team that has struggled to get pass rush just lost, lost their second best edge rusher on their team to a lower leg fracture. Uh, you don't know how long it's going to be out, but that's very concerning when you saw how hard Steve Spagnuolo had to try to generate pressure, Maddie. And against a Panthers offensive line that is not particularly good at pass protection, missing their left tackle, the Chiefs still had to bring quite a bit of extra pressure. They had to blitz a lot. Now, to be fair to the Chiefs, Teddy Bridgewater was getting that ball out super fast. He was throwing everything underneath. You saw in the second half some of the longer developing plays. We saw the resurgence of Frank Clark, the pass rusher, in the second half in spurts. We saw Chris Jones get a couple pressures later in the game. Really nice rip move by Tershawn Wharton. So some guys did make plays rushing the passer. They just couldn't get home quick enough, which is going to be an issue. But once you face better teams better passing offenses. I don't know how you're going to survive without having a second defensive end that has any form of pass rush ability. And if you're not going to have anybody helping Frank Clark when his knees a little banged up or Chris Jones clearly having a little bit of an off game, that's a problem. That's something that you can't address at the trade deadline anymore. It is now an issue going forward. Yeah, a big one. Uh, This is kind of a little bit scary, kind of like last year when the Chiefs had just burned through all of their defensive in-depth. Now you've got Tarko Charlton, the guy that was able to get pressures at the highest clip, the guy that they trusted to come in in the dime and tee off and rush the passer. Now that's gone. We've seen Mike Dana, Tano Passigno, not be able to really rush the passer effectively. They get some pressures here and there, but it's not a consistent threat, and you see them kind of get some overwhelmed, you know, overwhelmed situations out there. Now you're losing a true pass rusher out there. Frank Clark has been struggling. He had a great three-snap series this week, was able to get a sack and two pressures back-to-back to kill a drive for the Panthers, but he's not been as effective if we've seen him start the year and then finish the year at the end of last year. So now you're having to rely more on Chris Jones. When Chris Jones has a day like today, where he's not quite as effective due to the rapidity of Teddy Bridgewater getting out the ball, you need to be able to have other guys that can win on those drops that he does get the ball out a little bit slower. The Chiefs were not able to do that today. Taco Charlton was missing, and now going forward, this is going to be more like what you're going to see if Charlton has to miss some serious time. Steve Spagnuolo tried, had to try really hard to generate pressure because the pass rush at, at, on its own was not getting it done. And you saw problems on the back end when the Chiefs tried to, to really speed up Teddy Bridgewater. They were leaving guys open. Tons of min- miscommunications on the back end of that defense. And, you know, it, it, and in multiple guys, it wasn't just one guy. You could, I mean, I think you could probably blame Juan Thornhill for the touchdown to Christian McCaffrey. There looked like one that uh, Bashad Breeland was supposed to fall off someone in the flat. Guys are just wide open in the flat just all day. And it, they, the Chiefs had no answer for it. Real concerning going into the bye week, seeing that level of communi- miscommunication on the back end when you can't generate pass rush. And now you're trying to speed people up and you can't even do that effectively, Craig. 
Yeah, that's that's the biggest problem here. We know Steve Spagnuolo is aggressive. We know he's going to come out and blitz like crazy. You expect some of those to get home. Over the past several weeks, they haven't. They haven't been able to blitz effectively, bring pressures off of these blitzes as effectively as we'd seen at the beginning of the year, and it's causing problems in the secondary. You can only ask these guys when they're put in disadvantageous positions in the secondary to have to be or to be able to cover, to be able to set up and hold their own against a good set of weapons, like we said going into this week. This is a good set of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. You got to see that this week. Robbie Anderson, uh, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, they all had success against the Blitz. Teddy Bridgewater was really, really effective this week, and it was coming off of some of those. He stood in there, he delivered on a lot of these plays, and it really beat the Chiefs up. They've got to figure something out there. They've got to figure out the right strategy for getting pressure versus blitzing. I know we all just want Steve Spagnuolo to blitz as hard as he can, get these sacks, get these major pressures, but you're seeing in a week like this week, Teddy Bridgewater was able to carve up the Chiefs blitz. This is a problem. This was a game that the refs actually let the Chiefs secondary play how they want to. They let those guys be pretty physical. They let Charvarius Ward, Bashad Breeland really try to beat up some of those wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. And I think you saw that. Charvarius Ward had a rough start, but he made a couple nice physical plays against slant routes later in the game that really helped them. This was a game where the Chiefs secondary should have been a little bit better based on how they were allowed to play, and it just simply wasn't. Tyron Matthew this year not having his best season in coverage. I mean, he was fantastic last year in coverage. This year has not been near as good, and this game was one of the worst I've seen. He was not even just being beat on two-way goes. I mean, he faces that every time in the slot, but Robbie Anderson was eating his lunch on in-breaking routes, a couple vertical routes. Like, he was having his way against Tyron Matthew out of the slot. That's a concern if that continues, and then you add on to that that the Chiefs can't get pressure behind that secondary look. This secondary is not made to hold up in coverage for three and a half, four seconds. It's simply not. So if you can't get pressure by rushing four, and when you're blitzing five, six guys, and somehow they're still not getting home consistently, or your cornerbacks, safeties can't stand receivers long enough, like it was a really bad combination versus a team that has struggled mightily against the blitz this year, especially as of late. You hope it's just a little bit of an energy level thing and the Chiefs come out of the bye week like they did last year looking a lot better. Steve Spagnuolo was still plenty varied. He tried a bunch of different stuff. It just nothing worked. Absolutely nothing worked outside of a couple really nice plays by Willie Gay that were bunked by bad penalties. Frank Clark had a stretch where he dominated a couple plays. And that was really about it. Rashad Fenton, I thought, played well in his limited reps. Like I said, Charvarius Ward made some nice plays, but it was essentially just the Panthers doing whatever they wanted as long as it was within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. It was game, set, match for the Chiefs defense. I do want to make sure to credit Joe Brady. I mean, of course the offensive guy is going to credit the offense. I thought Joe Brady did some fantastic things. You don't just get all those guys just wide open out there. If you're not, you know, you don't have some good man beaters there or some good you know, ways to beat, you know, pressure. Um, and I also, you got to credit Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater had a very good game, I thought. I mean, he was getting the ball out of his hands quick, making quick decisions, um, and and beating pressure consistently throughout the game. He played a fantastic game. He kept his game, He kept his team in it. But the difference between these two teams, one has Teddy Bridgewater, and one has the best player in the world, Patrick LaVon Mahomes. Boys, let me ask you something. 
How many did 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 Patrick Levon Mahomes have four turnovers against the Buffalo Bills? No, he did not. Did he not? Okay. Did did the did the Chiefs did they did they beat the Buffalo Bills on the road? Hold on, let me check. Well, yes, yes they did, Kent. Well, do you know who did it? Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson did not do that. Patrick Levon Mahomes. Y'all start putting some respect on my man's name. Four touchdowns today. Another fantastic uh, performance from the best player in the world. We've been kind of ramping up a little bit to the MVP conversation. Let's start. Let's get this thing going. Into the bye week. Y'all forgot about the best player in the world. Some of y'all are bored. Oh, he's Mike Trout to some of y'all. Some people are just bored with how great Patrick LeVon Mahomes is. The widely disrespected Patrick LeVon yeah, Mahomes. Say, put some respect on Patrick Mahomes? When it comes to the MVP, everyone's like trying to find some way to get cuter than Andy Reid at the goal line. Listen... Before this week, Russell Wilson was on pace to throw 59 touchdowns. Like, I think it's but he okay. Keeps turning the ball over in the losses. I think it's okay to say going into this weekend, Russell Wilson was still the lead candidate and nope. Patrick Mahomes was number two. That has yeah. clearly flipped Wrong. because Russell Wilson, you know, False. can't beat the Bills and can't stop turning the football over. I just love the put some respect on Patrick Mahomes' name. <laughs> Look. Russell Wilson had six turnovers before the start of the day. He's got 10 on the season. Last time I checked, Patrick Mahomes has one-fourth of what Russell Wilson had today. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is in LeBron James territory. That's, that's as simple as it is. He's so good. Everybody knows he's good. Everybody knows that he's the best player in the league and especially the best young player in the league. And so you are going to constantly find ways for pundits, people who are, you know, part of the MVP boat that maybe think, well, you know, he's going to get a bunch of them. Let's try and find another guy in here. That's what they tried to do a little bit with Breeze during Mahomes' MVP year. They were kind of counting, counting down a little bit and saying, listen, this might be the only chance Drew has. We are going to see a lot more of this as Chiefs fans. Patrick Mahomes was fantastic in the second half, particularly today. Some of the vertical stuff that they tried early on just wasn't a little bit off between him and Tyreek Hill. But he and Kelsey, he and Hill, you got to see a lot of fun things this week. And you got to see Patrick Mahomes just kind of thrive. Like everything was working in the second half. And that was the difference in the game. He turned up in the second half in a big, big way. And the Chiefs were able to build that big lead and hold on till the end. Listen, Kent set this up. He set this up about talking about the best player in the world. And I was ready to talk about Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, here we are talking <laughs> about the quarterback for some reason. When Travis Kelsey's just out here being completely unstoppable for the second week in a row. I mean, Travis Kelsey, I, mean, I don't think we can appreciate quite how well he is, how good he is at football, how he's transitioned his game from being this super athlete that's a little bit undersized for the position, that's great after the catch, to now he's just simply the best route runner at the tight end position, maybe the league's ever seen, and he might be one of the top five route runners in the NFL for any position, and what he does on a game-by-game -game basis for this team is insane. That first half, he carried this team. This game, like Patrick Mahomes was not good in the first half. It was all Travis Kelsey essentially willing this team down the field in the few times they got down there. Anytime they needed something, he's where they went if they really wanted success until things kind of got clicking in the second half. 
if Travis Kelsey keeps this up this season, I mean, you'll never get a tight end that's going to get MVP votes and stuff like that. But like, he would have to be creeping up on offensive player of the year type status at the way he's playing. He was absolutely uncoverable these last two weeks. And I get it. It's against two defenses that maybe aren't the best. So a tight end mismatch is a guy you can look for. But how much better he's got in contested catch situations or in the red zone at times has been great with Patrick Mahomes. You see a guy who's a phenomenal route runner. Nobody can cover him. Nobody in the NFL can cover him. He is very clearly making the case that he is a top five weapon in the NFL. Not tight end, just weapon. I think you would be hard-pressed to find five receivers or running backs that have had a bigger impact on their team than Travis Kelsey has on the Chiefs, and that includes playing with the eventual MVP, Patrick Mahomes. He's aging extremely well. You know, he may not be the, the same kind of athlete he is, but man, he's so creative in the middle of the field. And, you know, making guys miss and, and his spatial awareness is it, it might be the best of anybody out there as far as just understanding space, understanding where defenders are, where he can find and identify, you know, opportunities for extra yards after the catch. Those are the kind of things that you do when maybe you're kind of slowing down a little bit. He's over 30 years old. He's kind of slowing down a little bit, but not that much. And the way and he's he's figuring things out differently. Uh, because of, you know, you know, be, even though he's he's slowing down, he's figuring out different ways to have some success. You want to jump back to the defense? No, real quick. We got to stick one more thing. This offensive line, I don't understand the decision to uh, get Austin Ryder back in the starting lineup. I don't particularly like it. I don't see anything in this game that happened where I thought that Daniel Kilgore could not have replicated or bettered what we saw at Austin Ryder. There was actually a handful of plays that I can think of that were just straight up missed blocks. The offensive line as a whole wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Just there was nothing that Austin Ryder did that provided any level of confidence. I think at least looking at Daniel Kilgore, you could see a couple plays a game where you're like, okay, he's a powerful guy that can create a little bit of space in the run game. Oh, here's a smart play here. Here's a smart play there. Austin Ryder did none of that for me. You combine that with the inconsistencies of Wiley and Allegretti, especially in pass protection, that interior offensive line is going to be a problem if they can't fix it. I mean, that screen to Darrell Williams at the end of the game, all three of those guys were out there leading the way. Not a single one of them even touched a finger on a defender. I mean, Darrell Williams didn't do any good either, but those three guys all missed their blocks. Like, that can't happen. That wasn't the first time either in the no. game. The Chiefs had a drive stall down in the red or close to the red, and Andrew Wiley and Ostrow didn't touch anyone. Mm -hmm. Gross. I felt like Mike Rimmers actually did a pretty good job against Brian Burns. Throughout the game, I was a little surprised at how well he did. I felt like he did a particularly good job. But when he went down, I liked a little bit of what we saw out of Yasir Durant. I think that he's earned some some more snaps if they've got to move. I, I don't necessarily hate moving Mike Rimmers back inside a little bit and giving Durant a little bit more snaps. I know we're probably going to see Mitchell Schwartz after the bye week there. But the little glimpses that we got to see there out of Yasir Durant going up against a really good pass rusher were pretty good. I'm I'm very interested to see what the Chiefs have going for him in that regard. He's a guy to keep an eye on maybe in 2021, 2022. He's good depth right now. He looked pretty good. Play him at guard. Play him at guard. 
I don't, he's a little big. He might have not quite have the foot quickness to play outside. He did a good job with Burns, but you could tell he was surviving with his length and leaning on him. And I think throughout a whole game, he would lose to some inside moves. I do. But you put him into guard where he's in with a little bit less space. He's a big dude that has some power. Play him at right guard and just see what happens. You have a week now, a bye week to figure it out. I mean, I'm fine with shuffling that offensive line because I, I know the numbers say it's okay, but that is 100% Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes and not the actual offensive line. Shuffle it out, figure it out. I'm down to see more of your Sierra Durant, though. I was pretty upset that we saw Mike Rimmers back on. I really wanted to get a larger sample size of Yasir Durant because I was just kind of, you know, I was kind of curious. He did fine. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back to talk more about this game right after this. Chiefs win 33-31 against the Carolina Panthers. Plenty to talk about this football game. We just got done talking about Patrick LeVon Mahomes, the offense, some success, some positive things. Uh, probably need to get back to the defense as a whole a little bit because there was plenty in this game that was just not not fun. Craig, what, where do you want to go? You, you go ahead. You, you have the floor. Where do you want to start with the defensive side of the ball? When you have players that are on the field because they're quote smart and they're quote hustle players and they don't do don't align players in the right spot and they don't hustle to finish plays like a fourth and 14 scramble you I don't know what you're doing on the field it's it's the office baseline what would you say you do here Ben Neiman because it was egregious. He was torn up in the pass game. He was bad in the run game. I know he had to fit in there for a little bit for Anthony Hitchens, who went out with a hip for uh, about three or four plays. But that fourth and 14 was egregious. That's the game. It's over if he finishes that play. I don't know what he was doing. He's standing at the sticks, waiting for Teddy Bridgewater to run to him while I believe it was Rashad Fenton is closing on him there at the end and then doesn't drive through his pads, doesn't attack Teddy Bridgewater, lets Teddy Bridgewater go aerial, and Teddy Bridgewater picks it up. The, uh, the Then the Panthers go down the field here, they score a touchdown, it gets tense, and we're in this situation because of situations like this. It was very eerily reminiscent of the Titans game last year where the defense was standing and watching at the end. And the special teams miscues this week definitely reminded you of the Titans game. It's, it, it's unacceptable. You've got guys that are on the field because Steve Spagnuolo and the defense trust them, you know, quote unquote, trust them, but they don't execute. They don't do things particularly well. They don't make plays very often. So what are they doing there? You got to see a little bit more of Willie Gay this week. He blew up a lot of stuff on the edge. I actually liked what he did on the last base defense down that they ran. He mirrored a route from a slot receiver really, really well, surprisingly well in his zone drop. So there are situations where you're seeing him grow. I don't get what you're getting with Ben Neiman. I know it's because the coaching staff Gave him the dot. They trust him to call the fronts and the dime. They trust him to adjust things on the fly. But frankly, they're getting beat up in their dime. He's not playing well. And it, things are just not good. It almost cost him the game this week. You get very energetic timeout calls with Ben Neiman on the field. Okay. It's a play. So listen, we've been going about three weeks now where we've been trying to say the linebacker group's playing pretty well. Now, that praise was never really for Ben Neiman. I want to be very <laughs> clear. That praise was for Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson at times. But we had about and three Willie weeks. Gay. Definitely Willie Gay. We'll get there. We had about three weeks in the linebacker group. We were saying they're playing pretty well. 
Game of Reckoning just happened. Anthony yep. Hitchens wasn't bad, but you could see the limited athleticism early in the game. He was out leveraged by a yard on a quick pass to the running back in the flat, and he never made up any ground whatsoever, and there was no reason not to. Damian Wilson looked really slow multiple times in this game. He was getting outrun by tight, a tight end that's not the most athletic guy in the NFL, and he was losing ground consistently. Neither one of them looked good. I wouldn't say they were terrible, but they both looked like they weren't athletic enough to be on the field at the same time together. Then you breaking, add in... Breaking news. That, I'm sorry, breaking yeah, news. No, for Jump sure, back for in. sure. Jump then back you, in. This is, this is extremely important, and it's worth me interrupting you. The play that Patrick Mahomes motioned in the backfield is called Ferrari Wright. Shout out to Lewis Riddick. Shout out Lewis Riddick. Lewis is going to be real um, happy. Critical, really important information. I just I did not want to deprive anybody of this. Kid Anyways, hates defense so much that he had to break in with the offensive play call. Look, <laughs> that was the single coolest thing I've seen this season from this team. That was fun. No, that was that was really fun. That's what Sean Payton thinks t- he's getting out of Taysom Hill. Anyways, you can continue talking about the d- defense, Maddie. I'm sorry, oh. I just had to really talk. That was right. that was critical to the I- show. I know. I feel like I've lost my mojo now. Kind of like this Chiefs linebacker group going into this week. So I just I did get to Ben Neiman. Bad, 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 bad. Nothing good to say. I I am with Craig. I don't know what the rationale to put him out there is. Even if you want to tell me he knows the calls that can get himself or the team in the right position, they clearly can't function from those correct positions. I don't understand it. I would rather just see Anthony Hitchens, who I also know knows the plays be out there. At least Anthony Hitchens would have hit Teddy Bridgewater flying through the air. He would not let Teddy Bridgewater get that first down. I guarantee you Anthony Hitchens would have been there and made that play. So why not put him out there? Why not try Willie Gay? I don't understand that particular logic. I do. I want to say something positive. I got some positive stuff about the defense. Unless you guys got somebody else you you need to bring down a little bit. I just I want to I really just want to say I think it, it's embarrassing that Ben Neiman got bodied by Teddy Bridgewater, who has no lower body. I'm not saying Ben Neiman does either, but you're a linebacker and he's a quarterback. That shouldn't happen. It that shouldn't sh- happen. It's, it's embarrassing. Let's bring our spirits up. This we just won. We're going to a bye week with one loss. Let's mm-hmm. bring our spirits up. Tershawn Wharton, buddy, Ooh, buddy, my guy's getting better. He has. One of the best motors I've ever seen out of a defensive tackle. You can count on like, you need your hands and toes to count the amount of plays that he chases down downfield from the defensive tackle position. Now, part of that's because his pass rush plan isn't great and he doesn't get a ton of penetration at times, but he stays active. He chases plays down. And then you saw that quickness. He had a fantastic pass rush rep where he ripped right underneath the right guard. He got in the backfield so fast that even the Panthers one second pass play could going to get fully developed you see that kind of development a guy that has that potential you get super excited and then just the way that everybody raves about him from inside the building Tershawn Warden may never be a full-time player he may never be this elite starter but he is going to be a fun player to have on this roster that is definitely going to eat up useful snaps and his running mate Derek Nadi, the polar opposite but equally mm. as good Derek Nadi is like the sole reason the Chiefs run defense is occasionally acceptable like, he's, like, the only reason that the run defense can occasionally make a play is because he's just this immovable mass of man in the middle of the field taking up a lot of space. I just had to shout out these two guys. We did some positivity from this defense, and I think those two guys were clearly the best two players, along with Willie Gay, who all of his fun plays got, you know, discredited by penalty flags. Yeah, 
uh, I, the broadcast mentioned that Steve Spagnuolo said that Derek Nottie was the most consistent player on that in the Chiefs' front seven. Like that's including the linebackers, including the defensive ends. That's including everybody. He was the most consistent player. We've seen him really develop. We've talked a lot, you know, over the past two years about how Steve Spagnuolo does an excellent job getting great things out of his nose tackles. We've seen it in the past. We're seeing it now. Derek Nottie is a force. He is an impact nose tackle. As much as one can be, he is an impact nose tackle. But yeah, shout out to Turk Wharton. Turk Wharton stole Colin Saunders' job. Uh, it's plain and simple. Colin Saunders, inactive healthy scratch for the second week in a row. Turk Wharton has come in here. He's frankly looked a little bit better and the coaches love his approach to the game. I think that he's fairly safely taken that job and run with it. And uh, that's kind of frustrating, obviously on the, on the Colin Saunders side, cause he's a top 100 selection and he's almost halfway through his rookie contract. And you hate to see that. Uh, but, I think I have a crush on Tershawn Wharton. <laughs> I'm pretty sure about that. <laughs> He's a joy to watch. And, you know, it's it, this this roster construction is kind of weird, and there's some guys that I scratch my head about why they're on the roster, and I think the bottom of this roster in some places has gotten you know tested a little bit, and it's not been particularly good. But then you see guys like Tershawn Wharton, and you see guys like Yasir Durant, who were lottery tickets, undrafted free agents, getting opportunities. Those those kind of guys are huge moving forward, you know, uh, and I think you might see a little bit of, you know, having all these big contracts trying to build the bottom of this roster. I think you're kind of seeing some of the cost of that right now in some areas, Ben Neiman. But, I you know, in some places it's good. And, you know, I, I've really enjoyed watching Tershawn Wharton. Uh, okay, Craig, before we get out of here, special teams expert Craig Stout has some things to say, I know. When I started criticizing Harrison Butker early on this season for missing extra points, I heard from a lot of people in my mentions, hey man, he's going to get it figured out. He's hitting field goals. I don't care about the extra points. Hey guys, those extra points would have been really handy this week. That would have been a tie field goal instead of a go-ahead field goal. Yes, the defense was able to step up. Yes, it was a 67-yard field goal, and it was difficult. But that wasn't a situation you felt particularly comfortable with the defense holding. These are extra points. You get to line up and place them exactly where you want. You get to line up from the exact distance every single time that you want. It is unacceptable to miss this many kicks. He also missed a field goal. This game is not close if Harrison Butker hits that. It's just not. It's frankly not. And so it's unacceptable. I'm sick and tired of every week now having to watch Harrison Butker miss one of these because this was one of the games that it could have come back to cost him against a team that they were frankly much better than. It ended up being close. These are situations in playoffs where it's not okay. Going up against the Steelers in the playoffs and missing a field goal might be the difference. Missing an extra point might be the difference. I know we keep saying, we got to let him ride it out. We got to try and hope that he figures it out. The reason that you hope that is because he's uncuttable with his dead money. It just, you have to stick with him unless he starts costing you games and then you have to eat the dead money. This is not okay. Special teams were pretty poor all around today, but this is not okay that Harrison Butker is still 
missing extra points. At this point, it's, I mean, it is the yips, but it's not okay to just sweep it under the rug and think that he's going to fix it. We're nine weeks into the regular season. Not okay. Just not okay. Could you imagine the Chiefs to this that would have ensued if the Chiefs lost because Harrison Butker missed an extra point? This show could have been wild. And I think some of the energy and fear about that mm-hmm. are probably manifesting in us right now because we're just like we're there we are not the most positive people right now. Let's just <laughs> let's just let's just let's just say what it is. Like we're not happy. We're not the happiest we've been after a cheese game. You know what I am happy about? I am happy about the bye week. Yeah. And I know it sucks for everyone else, but like I I need a break. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's go ahead. Let's get some closing thoughts on the board here. Uh, Maddie, start us off. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. The Chiefs have one loss going into the bye week. They have the lead MVP candidate. They have the best offensive skill position player in the world. They have the most dangerous offensive skill player in the world. And the defense cannot play any worse than it did against the Panthers. So, hey, things are looking up coming out of the bye week. We were in a much worse spot last year, and the Chiefs went on to win the Super Bowl. Chin up, Chiefs fans. I don't know if anybody's actually sad. We maybe just had crazy expectations for this game. I don't know. I feel like it was a bit of a downer, but maybe it shouldn't be. Chiefs are looking good. They're sitting pretty. Go sign Vic Beasley, who's a terrible player, but, you know, maybe he can provide a little bit of pass rush with Taco Charlton breaking his leg? Question mark? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It is a game that we were very wary about. I don't think any of us picked the uh, Chiefs to cover the spread. So this kind of went right along hand-in-hand with that Joe Brady and the Carolina Panthers and Mike Rule have a good squad, good young squad. They're going to be good going forward. We'll see about Teddy, but I love what they're doing there, and they gave the Chiefs everything that they could handle. You're going to get games like this. You're going to get off games. The Chiefs are 8-1. and one. That's phenomenal. I, I think at the start of the season, being eight and one right now would have maybe surprised us. Seven and two, maybe not. But the beginning of this of the season was really rough. To be eight and one, you're gonna get Sammy Watkins back. You're gonna get Mitchell Schwartz back. You're gonna get Lejarius Sneed back, guys. The reinforcements are coming a little bit. Defensive end's a little worrisome, but you are getting some key players back for the stretch run here, and the Chiefs are going to be ultra-motivated to go in to Las Vegas and destroy that Raiders team. So I think we're going to see a completely different team the next time this team takes the field. Steal my thunder a little bit. Ah, sorry. My take on the Panthers game is that the Chiefs are 14 days away from pantsing Derek Carr in his home stadium, embarrassing him on national television, and making sure everyone in the AFC West knows who the boss is. And hopefully, you know what? No, wait, no. Actually, I hope, you know what I hope the Chiefs do? I hope the Chiefs get in their bus, drive to the stadium or drive to the airport without doing anything excessive because they know who they are. They have they, they they know that they're just taking care of the business that they should. Panthers, whatever, great game. Chiefs win 33-31. We'll move on from there. 14 days from pants and the Raiders, embarrassing them, making Raider Cody cry. Me and Craig are going to be at the Freight House, uh, the Jack Stack Freight House, doing the live stream with our pal BJ Kissel and Jeff Allen. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's the next time there will be a Chiefs game. That's the next time you guys will hear from us about a game. All right, that is going to do it for the AP Laboratory post-game show. Chiefs win 33-31.